0: Okay, um, I'm really excited because today is a very special episode. And for those of you who have been um, part of the little Ohm family for a long time, um, many of you over the years have asked about this relationship and have asked me specifically about my own relationship to my mother. And so in honor of Mother's Day, I invited my mom, Kathy Darling Muir, say hi, mom. Hi. (laughs) On to the podcast so that we could talk about the complicated, beautiful, uh, challenging, life altering awe, A W E, capital sum relationship of mothers and daughters and how it changes and sort of everything involved with the mother-daughter dynamic. So welcome, mom. Thank you.
1: you. And thank you for asking me to speak with you on this near Mother's Day, because I think it's really cool.
0: Oh, I do too. And it's a year, so the podcast will be a year old on my birthday, which is in a few weeks. And so it feels like of course, I didn't think about it last year. And there's nothing I'd rather do than sort of dig into the truth about how we, we heal from difficult relationships. And if any of you have read my book, I wrote a little bit, not a ton, but a little bit about our relationship in the book. And the thing that I just want to start off by honoring is that your openness and willingness to be truthful Um, I really respect because I know that it's not easy. I'll speak for myself to tell some of the darkness of my own history. And so I'm just really like honoring you for being truthful and honest and stepping forward towards the light. So thank you for doing that.
1: And I want to thank you for joining me there for your journey of trying every, uh, what we were just talking about earlier today of just these kind of profound um, perspective changes that come as you grow and um, it's it's so complicated it's uh, just and so emotional that um, it can't be done in a day or a week or a year it needs 10 20 years to untangle itself and for each other to see different perspectives than what we thought was going on at a certain time, or motivations, or um, whatever was going on at that time, and I and I think that um, just to bring in mental health for a moment, um, ancestrally there's a very long of mental health my side of the family and um, that shadows all the um, times that you get that you can be honest and open because of shame because of hiding you know the fact that there was depression and a little agoraphobia, and a lot of this thrown in, a lot of that thrown in. And so you're ashamed of that part and the shame kind of puts up even yet another block to being honest uh,
0: with anyone about how we evolved. Yeah. This became so apparent to me in the past year because in a lot of our groups, I don't really like to do this online or with online groups, um, just because it's very emotional and powerful, but in person, we've been doing some geneograms and I shared with you some of this so that you could do some of your own too, because I kind of always share with you like the tools and techniques that I'm using and getting trained in um, so that you can try them because you're so open to all of that. Um, And the powerful, I mean, listen, here's the deal. I thought it was just us for a long time. I thought it was just me. I'm the only person who suffers. I'm the only one who's been through trauma. I mean, I sort of knew some stuff about yours, but I was too in my own immature brain and development and and victim to even really acknowledge that. And I also think that when you see a parent as having gone through something, it's so painful. You really push it away because you're like, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. This person is supposed to be taking care of me and they've got something, right? Mm-hmm. Which I know is not necessarily compassionate, but as a kiddo, this is kind of where you come from. So all these years of thinking like, I'm the only one and blah, blah, blah. And that was really, like you saw a lot of that anger that I had as a teenager and a young adult Um, verbally abusive, physically abusive to you, to myself. And the anger that I felt that people don't believe now, because I don't have a, you know, I'm anyway, it's just very different now. Um, But this response to the loneliness, the isolation, because you feel like you're the only one. Now, fast forward to being in my forties and leading these groups And we gather as women and we do these lines and everyone, every single person in the room has been affected by either physical abuse, sexual abuse, alcoholism, drug addiction, mental illness, depression, suicide, anxiety, Uh, every single family somewhere in their veins Holy crap. This is just what it means to be human. Yeah. And when you can see that in others and see yourself, it's like all of the sudden, and for me, it wasn't this year where I felt this way about our relationship and our history. It has been happening over many years, but all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, this beautiful, sensitive woman was doing the best she can you know, and I can have sensitivity to that and compassion and I can soften because you're human. I came through you like physically, but you're just a human with no guidebook either. Right. right. And that commonality has been, I think the biggest shift just on my side, I'd love for you to talk a little about your side, because one of the things I I think is so important to us continue like always working on healing our relationship and doing such a great job with it, especially the past few years, is that um, you do your own work you do a lot of your work so i 'd love for you to talk about that process a little bit and sort of what insights you 've had as you continue to do your own spiritual development work
1: My, uh, what i 've most been intrigued with and never gave credit to was the um the lineage of my mother's mother and the awakening i had of what i thought was extreme abusive behavior towards um us uh, as grandkids she just never yeah. she when she got mad at my mother she got mad at us and took it out on us mm. and i realized that um Near the end of her life, she basically um, was was it, certifiably al, she had Alzheimer's, and I did you know they didn't have a name for it then, <laughs> they called it you were old with dementia. But having worked with Alzheimer's um, residents now, I see that when she'd scream at us in the back seat of the car and just yell at all Michael or my brothers and sisters and just go off on us on this complete rage. I saw that with with the residents that I worked with. It was completely off the wall. It had nothing to do with anything really, but it felt like you had just been kicked in the gut. And so what I thought was just an evil lady who never was kind to us, was really more of a product of, I believe, her upbringing plus in her older years, having a physical disease, having the disease of dementia. And being young like I was, I was probably seven or eight. I didn't know, you know, I I had no explanation for it. And then watching that, watching that, part of her in my mom mm-hmm. just this rage just you never knew when you, it was going to go off I realized that the DNA is actually and I researched this the DNA the cells actually have the same they have that same tribute attributes passed down it's not just environmental or nature or nurture it's in your cells it's in your dna and it you're never going to know how much of it is um just you know could be dna but how much of it is um and it's inevitable you're going to have some of it too and then of course as it came down to me i was afraid of being angry. Yeah. So I medicated my anger with anything, mm-hmm. anything I could get my hands on so that I could always be sweet. And, um, as we all know, that doesn't work so well. Um, I just never got mad. Um, I just got sad. Yeah. I remember one time you, uh, took, took, uh some sort of metal object. I think it might have been a pen to Dave Landry's desk. <laughs> it's got no, you just got this beautiful antique desk and you took a pen to it and just you didn't know you were drawing on it. Mm. And I thought, oh my God, I'm gonna have to replace this thing. It must be worth thousands of dollars. And all I could do was sit down and cry. I didn't get mad at you. I I just sat down and cried because I had no way of knowing how to get mad without mad becoming rage and then hurting and striking out. So all I did was take it all in, sit down and cry. (laughs) And you looking at me sitting there crying were more affected than had I, you know, screamed and you, you know, you kind of expect that from a person. So when I sat down and cried, the look on your face was like, oh my God, I really did stop here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really in trouble. But um, so it is, it's it's just how it's been passed down. And the work I've been doing is just trying to go back in my history and look at some of the instances, some of the stuff like we were talking about this morning and looking at it from their perspective mm-hmm. or what was going on? Because it didn't occur to me until lately that my grandmother um, was obviously suffering from Alzheimer's, early onset Alzheimer's. And um, there was no medicine and there was no diagnosis. There was no help for that back then. So, because I do know that she later in a couple of years when my mom was taking care of her, um, She was physically violent and didn't know who she was. You know, she had all the classic signs of regular Alzheimer's. So it was really um, putting those pieces together
0: to figure out who I am and why I'm the way I was and am. Yeah, and that the full circle of working with Alzheimer's in Alzheimer's care the past few years and then getting more information. I feel the same way. So I want to talk about sensitivity and superpower and addiction a little bit, just in terms of the archetypes, because one of the things that I'm obsessed with these days is not so much that the labels are trapping us, but more that they are actually these clues to how our operating system is. And that when we don't have the tools and the skills to process and digest our life, whether there's Like actual trauma with a T or not, just sometimes being a human in the world is very traumatizing in so many different ways. And we're elevating this conversation now. I feel like as we get the neuroscience and we investigate mental health more and more, that one of these commonalities with addiction is the sensitivity to relationship and this fear, just like what you were talking about, of these big feelings. And I think partly I'm interested because I have a lot of clients who, this is where we talk about anxiety and sensitivity and superpowers and how we tune into our intuition. Um, I know that you are and always have been deeply spiritual, even in your toughest times, like your connection to music and nature um, and very simple things and service, right, Has, is always like a thread in your life. And I also have a son. I actually have both of my kids are ridiculously in tune and sensitive. I would say Milo maybe more in terms of he doesn't know he doesn't see it as a superpower right now. He's very rejecting it. So it's kind of like I'm looking at the the past and the history, and I'm also watching my own kiddo. And um trying not to tell myself stories about how he's going to be or what he's set up to be <laughs> with his superpower. So can you talk a little bit about just your own sensitivities and how that has really been in your life as connection and where are the places where the sensitivities and the pain cause, you know, cause more pain rather than connection?
1: Um, well, I think that probably... The most difficult time for me to um, to deal with the big emotions was when you and I were pretty much not speaking for, yeah. a, for a while. And for me, that was the end of the world. That was the end of my world. Mm-hmm. And then somehow, I think, uh, I don't know if it was through meditation or... Uh, I believe it was just sitting still with myself and finding some space there that was peaceful. I realized that that wasn't the end of the world, and that um, there was a life outside of being Pleasant's mother. And uh, even though you were my grandest um, gift to the world, you were um, not mine and I wasn't you, and um, I could be free of that, Mm -hmm. and that was a a real superpower type time, because I really did have to redefine who I was, Mm -hmm. as opposed to always being pleasant as mom, and there were times where I... 'Cause all your friends, you know, Pleasant's mom, pleasants mom, that that that's who I my identity was. I wasn't Kathy anymore, I was Pleasant's mom. And you had a lot of friends and a lot of people who really um kind of cherished you in some ways, I guess. I idolized you. Mm-hmm. Um Erica for a while. <laughs> Just a couple people. <laughs> but um So I heard it a lot and I was very proud of that. And then you and I have talked about this since that, that I, that's something I have to consciously stay away from is being proud of you when what you've done had nothing to do with me in any sense of the word, any of your accomplishment, you know, some of the things you've done lately. It's not, you know, I want, It almost takes some of that, some of what you should be feeling away from you. If I'm the one saying, you know, I'm so proud of her because, you know, it makes it sound like I did the work or some of the work when I was just sitting back doing nothing. I had nothing to do with it. And you were the one doing all of it. And um, I think it's hard to get, it's easy to get, caught up in that and hard to separate because this society is so competitive and everybody wants they're to be the best and you know i was watching a podcast this morning from simrit the lady that um and she was talking about how um just everyone wants to be the now they want to be the best yoga teacher they want to be have the most radiant eyes they want to have all this other silly stuff and she said you know that's it's just gotten so crazy that you don't even know what um, what it is that you want to be proud of and you know you, you're yeah. kind of afraid like you know. yeah I, i'm a vegetarian but not that kind of it, you know. <laughs> I it's just we got a whole new yeah. um, group of words and um, perspectives of what is is something to be proud of. So um, that I think was the most challenging, emotional time. Mm-hmm. And having gone through that, um, that very dark, much that dark side. Um, was the catalyst for me to let go of being Pleasant's mom and finding my own uh, sensibilities. I've, I've since, and it didn't occur to me till about uh, three months ago. Um, and when I started doing tarot cards and spending, and like I was retired, basically, I had all morning to journal and play. And um, I realized that between you and your sister, I was utilizing a lot of the same tools. And I thought, isn't it interesting that they have such power? And then I had thought to myself, where did they get that? And it's like an anvil fell on my head. It's boom, you know, you're the one that gave birth to them. And if your belief is that this is encoded in, in, in our mm-hmm. cells, mm-hmm. then you're the tree that, you know, yeah. gave, gave birth to these branches. So um, it was pretty amazing when I thought that because I never wanted to take credit for you guys both being very um, empathic
0: and very uh, intuitive, very intuitive. So I think it's so interesting that you say that too, because um, one of the other things that happened when I've done, so I've done the geneograms and the pulling ancestral lines down a, a bunch of different times now. And every time it's a little bit different and the threads that come through, but Uh, after probably the, I don't remember which one's first or second or third time I noticed and said, like, I think that because maybe we're wired for negative. I mean, I think maybe this happens because we're wired for negativity that we go right to the bad stuff. Like here's the alcohol and here's the, okay, (laughs) so great. So we got all that clear. Now, what are the other threat? What are the good things? What are the things that are so deeply ingrained into who you are? And the things that came up for us in our line were about service, Helping people. I mean, you've dedicated your entire life to helping other people, as a hospice in hospice at the Institute of Living with mental health in uh, caregiving and nursing in home uh, Alzheimer's. I mean, literally your entire life, right? Yeah. And I'm the same. Like that will be the story of my life: is caregiving, healing, being part of groups. Like that's just we have that very much in common. And the other piece is so much that I got from you that I think my grandmother gets credit for, but it was actually you that really taught me about service and care for others with your hands and not just with your checkbook. Because my grandmother was awesome at fundraisers and gatherings and (laughs) promoting the names of things and helping people. But I don't have any memories of like doing stuff with her for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a lot of memories of us having nothing and being in, in helping other people. Like we didn't have anything and we would be volunteering at soup kitchens on Thanksgiving yeah. or or nursing homes. Remember we used to go to nursing yeah. homes and we didn't have anywhere to go for holidays and it would just be the right. two of us and we would take the bus and it would take forever and it would be <laughs> cold and I would be pissed because it was so cold. Why were you making me do this? And so what is so beautiful and what I really am encouraging everybody who's listening to do is to take the time over time to not only see the things that are painful, right? But we have to balance this out. With the other part. And I think once when you really dive in and lean into your healing, the other part arises, right? It's like almost naturally. Like I'm sure now you can talk about some beautiful things about your mom. Oh yeah. You know, that you couldn't have done when you were in it and when you were struggling and so um and and still really shut off. And so I wanna honor that. I don't think Over the past 40 years, you've really gotten enough credit for the service, for the threads that are so active in my life now, spirit and service, um, to watching you. And so I just really thank you for that and for just being yourself because you taught me how to do that. And that helped me find my way, right? Being truly myself and connecting to the pieces of me that make me feel most alive and of of use and of service. And, and And I'm saying this for me, but I believe this for anybody if you find the pieces underneath all the crap that are truly who you are and you connect to them, your, your radiant joy, your energy, it just, it's radiate. It's everywhere because it's, you're living your Dharma, your purpose, you know? Yeah. Thank you.
1: I think that I don't remember well, yeah, I guess in some ways I do remember my mom. Like we lived on a farm, and if somebody didn't have food, or um, their farm wasn't doing what she would take, you know, food. She would take eggs, fresh eggs. Um, she would do some things. Um, I I don't remember her being completely uh, selfless a lot because she just had so much on her plate. I mean, yeah, a farm is. There wasn't, yeah, there just wasn't a lot left to give. She was exhausted and she wasn't very healthy. Um, uh, But she treated us. I mean, when we didn't have a lot to eat, we each had our own cat and our own dog and our own pony. You know, I mean, it was like that love of animals is one thing that I see through all of our family. And I, you know, that's... You never really were raised with animals. You had cats that you were yeah. allergic to. Yeah. <laughs> but I see your love of animals now, yeah. um, you know, and that you're sharing that with Sailor and Milo. Yeah. And that to me is just so cool because um, especially for Milo, I think it will yeah. Yeah. help him, you know, and his love of nature and animals yeah. So I, I'm not
0: exactly sure where you got that.
1: <laughs> I think it may have s-
0: skipped down yeah, to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, in different situations, I mean, and, and living arrangements, you know, for me, like as a child, I was back and forth between you and dad, you know, there was, I was at grandma's all the time. I mean, you were working a lot. You were working the night shift. Yeah. Like there were some things that were just not practical and, one of the things i realized recently about Mize, with his sensitivities and stuff was like we we do have space for that and i can make it a priority so he can feel that kind of love and so it was like it was there even if i didn't necessarily have it um but again it's kind of interesting to look at the dynamics of your family as you're creating them and and honoring your ancestors and honoring uh, your, your threads and lines that are intuitively there as a way to say, like, it's empowering, right? It's like, I know this and I know how to take care of, um, him in this way because my mom grew up on a farm and she had lots of animals and, you know, that was always a big deal to you. Um, can I ask you a little bit more about the, the period when you were redefining yourself and maybe some of the things that you had to do or that you moved towards or what was that like?
1: When I first got sober or...
0: Yeah, well, you, ta- you said that like kind of it, when we had the difficult emotional time and then you had oh, to sort of yeah. let go of my identity, the identity, this identity and create a new one. What was that process like? And maybe sobriety had to do with it. It I did. Yeah. I mean, that was the... Uh, because it was such a difficult thing to do
1: and mm-hmm. it took its toll. Um, I did uh, drink a lot more, you know, because it was a painful fact that, you know, I wasn't needed to be in that role. Yeah. yeah. And I think that led to um, using a lot more, which always will lead to some sort of brick wall. And um, it this goes back to what you were saying. I think my first AA meeting, I thought I'm here because I had such a bad childhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and I'm the only one Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and as of course I didn't talk as I was my my first time I just listened to the stories of uh, you know veterans and people who had had you know humongous trials and struggles and it kind of took about two meetings for me to realize that the entire room was full of (laughs) I had I had a really (laughs) shitty childhood and (laughs) that's why I drank. And so that kind of took away that defense Mm -hmm. right away. And that was, that was hard. That was um, actually when I met Christine Mm -hmm. who really got me uh, hooked up spiritually. I think there's always a person who comes along at the Mm -hmm. right time. Um, And when I first saw the word dharma up on her calendar, mm. she was going to a dharma group. I didn't know what that word meant, but I thought that was one of the coolest words I'd ever heard. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid to ask because I didn't want to look dumb. Mm-hmm. But when I learned when she said that is my spiritual beliefs and my path, it's my dharma. It's what what I'm here for. And I, like blown away. So over time then that began and it was um also the time I started doing yoga. Mm -hmm. And you and I kind of you were a few years ahead of me, but it was very close to being at the same time. And that was one of our uh olive branches that we could hold out to one another and talk about. Mm -hmm. And um from that and the meditation it just took on a life of its own. It, I kind of just let back and, and I, there are some benefits of AA and their format and their uh, believing in someone uh, higher than yourself uh, and not naming it and having to nail it down and um, it doesn't Christine likes to think that it gives you a kickstart
0: mm-hmm.
1: down the path, down your path, because you've already accepted you've got to surrender. You've already accepted there's somebody greater, you know, a power greater than yourself. You, there, you, you, you have to accept certain things. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that helped immensely. And then even as I kind of took the path of just, uh, Having a uh, set practice of yoga every single day and meditating, I—it's never been a day that I didn't get up and do some sort of practice. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I—you know—there might have been a break there
0: when I just said, "Screw this!" It's now no. But um, well, then you do take a day off, and then you feel so crappy, and you're like, "Well, what was different today?" It's like, "Oh, I didn't
1: do my practice." Yeah, why can't I breathe? Why do I feel um, else? Yeah. yeah, so that is what helped redefine, that completely redefined me because it gave me a place to put what I wanted to do. What I wanted to do was give to people, but I didn't know how to give to people, and I didn't know who, and you, you get caught up in this whole, do I want to help animals? Do I want to help people? Do I want, you know... <laughs> cure cancer and so it allowed me to clarify what my priorities were and um try and and do that which was animals as you know and um because my job helped let me help people so i could kind of do both but um, so that was pretty much how the path was yeah. developed it kind of evolved out of just necessity of uh staying sober and not it, it was difficult because it was hard to see how that was going to release me from the pain of of not having you but as a as I stepped back and did it, it did release me from that pain yeah. Yeah. and um I think it helped you to come closer to me. It made me more approachable. So if I backed up, you came forward. If I came forward, you backed up. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, it was it was a difficult time. But where we are now, <clears throat> you're the only person I know that I can get on the phone with. And there's, um, how's your weather? How's your weather? And then we go right to something juicy. Mm-hmm. So. Um,
0: I don't have a lot of small talk.
1: <laughs> no, we don't, no, we don't sit around and talk a lot about, you know, anything. Uh, you know, we want to talk about hospice and dying people and what. <laughs> you know, it's um, you're and that's how it is with Christine, who's my spiritual sister. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, we go straight for the straight for the good stuff, and um that to me is all that really, you know, is worth spending a lot of time talking about. So, I mean, I want to hear about the kids, but (laughs) 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 that's not all
0: I want to hear. What's that identity piece like? I mean, so my, obviously, Sailor's 11. So I've only had 11 years of experience of mothering a daughter (laughs) who is, um, very much her own person, um, period has a lot. We have a lot in common, which she doesn't necessarily think is a good idea right now. You know, she's kind of moving into the stage where she's like, don't, I don't want to be Pleasant's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I right. I don't like, and everyone's said, like, you look the same. No, we don't. You know, and she's leading meditations. You have the same, something, same stuff in common. No, we don't, you know, <laughs> and so, what's your sort of wisdom for anyone who's listening who's wrestling with the identity and their own daughter's identity? You know, you've obviously been through it.
1: <laughs> it's so different for me, in that I, at that age, wasn't really allowed to form my own mm. for me and in a very physical <laughs> and uh, oppressive way. Mm-hmm. You had the benefit of being um, held on a lighter, a looser leash. Um, you were. That's pretty a nice free. way to put it. You were pretty much. <laughs> Was getting, there a leash? <laughs> well, you were free. <laughs> it reminds You, you were just. Uh, you had free reign <laughs> of pretty much what you wanted to do because mm-hmm. you were trustworthy and you yeah. were your own inner, you know, your yeah. own inner judge. <laughs> Should I be doing this? Should I not? You know, you were insightful back then. And um, I see the same thing in Sailor. And you let her to, I think you're somewhere in between that because I think you're more conscious of, and I think there are different uh, pitfalls today than there were, you know, when you were younger. Um, there's a lot more with the internet and stuff. There's a lot more to be aware of and be frightened of. Um, so I think you're kind of keeping a keeping a tighter rein. Yeah. I will not say the niche, um, yeah. is is good. Um, and there is no wisdom. <laughs> it is. Um, I think. You and I and Sailor are blessed with a, a pretty good helping of insight into mm-hmm. we know what's right, what's wrong, and where the um drawing this the line in the sand is you know um about how much we want to push it <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I think that that is is what's gonna um define how sailor navigates these years it's like she's already got it she's just gotta know she's got it and listen to that voice.
0: she's got it yeah milo i have no idea (laughs) 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 to be continued um okay i want to talk about writing a little bit because before we start to wrap up is that um i don't i don't know do you identify yourself as a writer you tell people you're a writer i'm
1: starting to more now
0: as i learn
1: reading the artist way and all that Mm -hmm. and listening um even to just the the podcast i listened to this morning um of uh, um those voices those stories we tell ourselves that you you really can't write, you know, just because yeah. you have a pen and paper in your hand yeah. and you're writing you doesn't mean you can write. And listening to the voices of my, my mother saying, you know, that I couldn't sing. And I've been told all my life, you know, you have a crummy voice, you can't sing. And how I bought into that. Mm-hmm. I stopped trying to sing because I was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And how you can't write, you can't. Uh, so I'm taking away those voices and shortening those stories, and trying to eliminate all preconceived notions of what I am or what I can do, and go back to the beginning when sitting in in junior high, I used to write page after page after page <laughs> of um, what was going on at home and. You know, it wasn't a journal. It was just like a narrative. Yeah. And teachers coming and taking it away and then reading it and saying, oh, my God, this is, you know, just really, really good writing. So I'm getting back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, slowly, I'm allowing myself to say that even if I'm not in the process of writing a book, yeah, I'm a writer. Yeah, because right. of. Right. Of how I see words and how I've always um, known that you see words as uh, carrying uh, our most um, the most uh, concentrated parts of ourselves go down on paper you know those words we can say in one word something that it may take other people twenty words to say. Mm-hmm. We can think it and write it, so it is something I'm I'm definitely going to go back to trying, Mm -hmm. experimenting with. Um, Do you have
0: fear about writing or sharing it? Uh,
1: I or mm. I didn't when I was younger. I yeah, it is, um, and I didn't in college. And I don't know if it's fear that stops me. I don't know what that, that, uh, what it is that's stopping me mm-hmm. exactly. It's probably some fear. And I'm not sure why because uh, I talk and I don't talk as well as I write. So mm-hmm. I, I know I convey my ideas better <laughs> written than I do speaking them. And I like my choice of words better written than spoken.
0: Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know what it is. It's something that I'll have to investigate. Well, and one of the reasons I asked too is that I've been doing a lot of um, like going back through old stuff. And one of the things I found was when we probably like, I'm trying to remember when that retreat was in December with Zen when you came and sat, was that Uh four years ago, three years ago? It was right before little Home closed, so it was three and a half years ago. Yeah. That's around, yeah. So before that, right, so probably four or five years ago, I had asked you as a way for us to sort of move back towards like navigate how to kind of get over our shit and our past and move forward, but for both of us. I am not the type of person who can say, let's just pretend none of that happened and move forward. Like Uh I can't just sweep it. And I can't just, I'm not like I am a forgive and forget, but we have to kind of do the work. Like we can't just forget we have, we can forgive, but we need to do it and we need to be present with what happened. And so as a way to work towards that and towards each other, I had asked you because I know that you're such a great writer and I love your writing to, and that language and communication is much more difficult for us, always has been, um, to write the stories that you remember and that I wanted it all in writing. And I found all those letters when I was just cleaning out the journals in my boxes a few weeks ago and remembered, I forgot that that was part of our healing process was I called you and said, like I need to have some of these pieces. I know that this may not, it's not the whole story. It's not my dad's story. It's not going to be my grandma's story. It's not my story, but I need to hear your version of this stuff right. because I don't know it and I'm only living in mine and mine is not good. So like, how do we get better? Is like, if you write to me what, what you think happened, I'm going to learn. Right. So do you remember that? Do you remember? Oh my me? God. Like, yeah. It what was that process like
1: for you? It was, it was extremely hard. It yeah. was very, very hard. Uh, and then I would do it on the bus, a lot of it on the bus, and then walk into work and find out somebody was dying or something. Yeah. It was uh, the time I did it in the day was not very small. Yeah, not the bus, yeah. <laughs> but um, it was full of emotion. And then I would uh, go into work and just completely lose it, which isn't good. <laughs> Um, so if, if I, you know, continued to do it, if I wanted to pick up where I left off, um, I would do it in the evening, you know, when it's quiet and calm. Um, but it was very draining. It was very hard. It was very unpleasant. And a lot of it I had forgotten until I sat down and wrote something the time before. And then that led to the current, you know, the next chapter. Um, there was so much shame in a lot of the stuff I did when I was addicted that so much of it was um, still filled with shame. And maybe getting it out and sharing it with you helped. You know, you didn't judge me. You didn't, you know, you knew there was going to be hard stuff to read. Um, but it was definitely part of healing most under yeah i was glad you asked me to do it because i'm kind of like one of those people that still sees the teacher stand and know, you know saying this yeah, is exactly. this is what i expect of you and this yeah. is when i expect it to be done yeah. Yeah. and so um yeah <laughs> i'm better if i'm told to do it and when the date is the deadline yeah. so yeah and i think we were doing it what once a week or once a month or
0: yeah, I think I said just do it when you feel like you can deal with it. Yeah. You know, like I was mindful that it was going to be hard. Um, but I also didn't know how it would feel once you were actually sort of doing it. So yeah. I would just get these random, you know, thick envelopes. Yeah.
1: Um.
0: Well, I think also Um. I just – I do ha- – I just have a dream that we write together. Like I have a dream that we yeah. – find a way to share our own story in a way that really honors the different perspectives, because I think that's really needed in a lot of these sort of healing memoirs or people talking about spiritual journey. It's always only through one lens and there's always another side to the story. And I just think that that would be really beautiful. And so I'm just always asking you when you're ready, I'm ready.
1: (laughs) And being partly retired now, now is, there is more yeah. time. Yeah. There was yeah. just, you know, working yeah. full time with the residents was just yeah. too draining. I mean, yeah. I would come home and literally fall. like. Oh, yeah. So much. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I know. And to do this work, you need the space and the time. It's very yeah. emotional. And I'm, I have been having challenges also with going back through those boxes and then like the kids are up and then going to this life Because they feel separate, but what I know about spirituality and healing and practice is that they're not separate. That's just the ego and delusion creating this duality. So when I feel that way, I try to say, nope, this is the whole story, you know, like, and, and then creating space to deal with the emotion as it comes up because we have so many good tools, you know, I'm, I can see my hammock from right where I'm sitting and that's one <laughs> of my best tools. So like having the tools to process and digest emotions and learning Ayurveda has helped me so much with that layering of it. So, right. um, so I hope that we do that and we make that happen. Um, think, <clears throat> go ahead.
1: I think that,
0: uh, my, uh, my change
1: to Kundalini yoga and where you are in Ayurveda is so perfect because they are completely intertwined. Whereas Hatha yoga really, I can see where it led to certain places, but it wasn't like it was part of the rest of it. It, I see more of a whole with the the Kundalini and with Ayurveda that um, I'm starting to think in my head in ways of like, you were talking about fire the other day you were and I go to work and I'm thinking, you know, it's still cold here. I was still thinking I want something, you know, I mean, it's starting to just by osmosis and just by the transfer of energies from what I'm doing in Kundalina, which is always, you know, revving up that fire. Yeah. uh, Yeah. And I was thinking, I got to ask, um, my boss, what kind of dumb shit? <laughs> yeah.
0: She's gonna laugh at me, but would she know? No, oh, no you have to give her a quiz. I know, or you just read it, just have she's an in really into
1: all of that. So she's like, a, she's like a sponge. Like, I was she, yeah, she, first day I started, she I gave her my big mindfulness yoga book that I learned from. Because um, she asked me for a book, and so I, I was like,
0: "Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's so good." Yeah, she's really willing <laughs> to learn things. So, what were you going to say?
0: I was just going to say, "Is there any? Do you have any final thoughts or anything that you would like to say to close about anything we've talked about today, or anything you want to say to the community?"
1: I just want. Um, I I hope that everyone. Through this talk can see some of themselves and some of their mother and Just see the the whole picture back Mm -hmm. up and look at the whole picture and see both of you both people both families both whatever um, And notice if you can shift it just a little turn it just a little start seeing a perspective from just a slightly different angle Mm -hmm. and if you keep doing that those things that bother you and your mother makes you crazy about this or Mm -hmm. you know your father whoever uh, just keeps taking little baby step shifts and eventually um a lot of it will be easier to digest and to, um, feel and, um, you know, it's not an I'm right and they're wrong situation. It's, uh, it's uh, just a different way of looking at, at your, your, uh, mother daughter relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And, and I've learned that from you. <laughs> So I thank you
0: for that. Um, Thank you for coming on and chatting with me. Thank you for being courageous. And thank you for your um, spirit and guidance through the things that you were interested in and helping me really form and shape that. I'm really, really appreciative of that path. And I'm just really proud of us, like both of us. I'm really proud of you. Um, I'm proud of myself and for the years and years and years of inquiry and curiosity that we've both done um, in order to live our lives in, and those relationships, because I think a lot of people close the door and they never open it again. And it gets, it's just too hard and too scary. And so I'm not saying That's right or wrong. I know it's hard and I know it's scary. And for some divine intervention that I don't know and you don't know, our souls and our path were able to open the door. And these years of study, I always say that I know that my yoga and meditation and spiritual practices have worked because I can fully see you and love you and have compassion and appreciate you. And that at the end of the day is the fruit of the practice, the quality of your relationships. Yes, yes. And if you can feel that for the most challenging, difficult relationship in your past that you had, like to me, it's just like, I don't even know what's left, what the next 40 years of my life will be. You know, like I just, I know from the evidence of our quality of our relationship, that healing is possible. Right. For the darkest of relationships. and. Um, I think that's why, while both of us, I think, well, I'll speak for myself while I was like, ah, about having this conversation publicly that I know it's for the greater good. I know it's for other people who struggle and who feel like they can't find their way home, you know, for their people. And
1: part of finding your way home is finding peace in relationships that you thought you could never, ever, ever love. Yeah. And just
0: like you said, it came because of that redefining, like you're, you're finding your, who you truly are separate from me was the path to your wholeness. Right. And same for me, like being able to say, I can't actually, like, I have to cut in order to figure out who I am without this enmeshment with this, this person that I care for. Um, and that's what I say actually is like when, when people hear, if I ever share that, like we had a period where we were not talking at all, I said, I did it because I love her, not because I don't love her. Yeah. Cause it was too you know, too, too sticky. And so the releasing so that you can be you and I get to be me is the healthiest thing for everybody, you know, and that, and it was very, very, very painful for everybody. So, um, I'm proud of us. I am proud of us, too.
1: And this is the thing we can be proud of, because we both did it. Happy
0: Mother's Day. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day
1: to you, you beautiful mother.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Happy Mother's Day to everyone. We love you. And look for our book. We're going to write it. (laughs) My fire. Here it comes. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Watch out, world. All right. Love you. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you.
1: Bye-bye.